0: Hello, my name is Matthew Pfeiffer. Welcome back to the Matt Pfeiffer Experience. Today we have on a very special guest, Dr. Heidi Brock. And today we are going to be talking about healthy relationships after a toxic relationship. If you've ever been in a toxic relationship, you know that experiencing relationships after a a toxic relationship can be very, very difficult because you're struggling with symptoms of PTSD. You may have trust issues. There's all sorts of things that go along with toxic relationships after the fact and aftermath of that. So with all that being said, let's get into today's show. Dream it, papa, me dream it. we take Welcome back to the Matt Pfeiffer experience. And so without further ado, let me introduce you to Someone who is a friend and a support of mine, and if, and if you're not listening to her podcast, it's, it's not, not normal. normal. It's, it's not normal. It's toxic, uh, and th- it actually so for people who followed me for a while, you know that my the name of my podcast used to be Talk from Toxic to Triumph, uh, and your I don't know if you knew this, but actually your podcast inspired that name. That was something that uh, I wanted to make sure that I got toxic, at and uh, I loved the the title. I think that your t- the title of your podcast really just captures uh, the essence of what a lot of people feel like when they're coming out of a toxic relationship. Like, is this normal? Is this everyday life? Is this what a healthy relationship feels like? Because uh, it can be very, very confusing. So uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and tell us a little bit more about your podcast.
1: Well, my name is Dr. Heidi Brocky. Everybody mispronounces my last name as Matt did. And he says, I'm his friend, and he pronounces my last name wrong. What? Um, yeah. <laughs> but the reason that is, is nobody knows my last name because I go by Dr. Heidi all over the place. So you're forgiven for that. But um, I am not a licensed mental health professional. By trade, I am a chiropractor acupuncturist. Um, I spent 25 years in the healthcare profession and then retired just as COVID started. Um, I now do uh, toxic relationship recovery and healing. I do a lot of education on understanding the toxic relationship because, uh, I was in one for about 14 years. And if you've been in one, if you're listening and you're in the middle of one, you know, it's very confusing. Um, I convinced myself, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't toxic. It wasn't abusive because obviously I have a doctorate and I've been through all the psychology classes and I'm way too smart to end up in something like that. Right. Right. Um, Of course, with that came a business and came kids and came a lot of, you know, strings that became attached. And what I found myself doing was changing who I was to become what he needed so that I could fit better into the relationship, hoping every day that it would just feel normal. Um, And when I say normal, that's exactly what happened. And that's exactly what happens in these, you know, the longer we're in them, the more normal the behavior comes, so the harder it is for us to see clearly that it's not normal; it's toxic. Right. Um, fourteen years uh, in that, I left. I have now been out for fourteen years as well, and so I have dedicated my life back to to helping other people who may be walking that confused um, section of their life.
0: You're you're a lot like me. I you know I think that there's a lot of creators, a lot of coaches who are still. And there's no judgment here, but that that are a little bit closer to that time period where they have left that relationship. Where both you and I, we, I've been out of my relationship longer than I was in it, and you're, uh, you're, pr- you're pretty close to that as well in terms of being out of it as long as you're in it. What are some things that maybe you have learned over that that time period? Um, you know, a lot of times people, and I've said this on my platform a lot that it's not a journey, it's a destination. What have you learned along with that during that journey? And tell us a little bit about year one versus year 14 um, of being out of that relationship.
1: Oh, brother, year one. Well, a little bit, not not to go into my story too much because that takes you down rabbit holes all over mm-hmm. the place, but um, one of the things that I, I emphasize a lot is you know, there's a, there's a lot of baseline that goes along with understanding the toxic relationship. And you and I are kind of skipping over some of that today because there's, there's other topics we want to get to. But, um, when I, and I talk about it a couple of times on my podcast, but a lot of people end up running away from these types of, of relationships. And, and I did, I ended up running away. Um, but the day that I ran away is, is surprising to a lot, Matt, you might not even know this. The day that I ran away from my former relationship, I had already been divorced for two years. Oh, wow. And I didn't understand it. I didn't understand it. You know, we, there was a business together. There was the kids. We had a lot of property. We had a lot of um, my kids were involved in rodeo. Very, you know, so there was just a lot of stuff. So me thinking, yeah, yeah I've got these divorce papers in my hand. And then literally not a single thing changed, mm-hmm. um, which was very devastating to me. You know it basically gave him the license to date without being behind my back but then would would make sure that i didn't have the opportunity to date because i had to work with him every day and he would make it very very difficult mm-hmm. um so so when i left i basically threw it all in and i had to be on a divorce podcast the other day and the lady heard my divorce experience and she was like oh my gosh um so i divorced him nothing changed And then one day, finally, I basically met my accountant and I signed him over my practice and I signed him over my patients and I signed him over my accounts receivable. And I basically left with my decorations and my clothes. And initially I had to leave my kids.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And and so I didn't talk about it when I was in it, right? Because you can't, because people don't understand it and you have to go home and live with this person. So everything behind the scenes is very, very quiet because you're trying not to cause conflict and you're trying not to rock the boat because it gets worse for you there
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, i moved four hours away uh, i tried to start i had to start a new business uh, i did not then talk about it then either because how do you explain that you're a mom that just left her kids four hours away right so so i spent the majority of my tw- uh, that was a good 20 years
0: mm-hmm. that
1: i i didn't talk about it because people don't understand it no and and after about um four years I did not see my kids for almost five years. Mm-hmm. Um, when things would get bad, they would run away and um, show up on my doorstep. But then it only took a matter of time before he would convince them to come back or threaten them to come back. Or so overall, I didn't have my kids for five mm-hmm. years. And it was about four years into that that I thought, you know what? I don't know if I'll ever have a relationship with them again. Mm-hmm. And so I decided it was time. It was time for me to get my crap together. Right. And that's kind of when. The business that I run today started. It's when I started looking back on what had happened and I could see it from a through a different lens. Mm-hmm. You know, and when I did that, it was so easy. I remember thinking, you're kidding me, this is so easy. And yeah. so that's when I started teaching this. But when you're asking about the difference between the first few years and and now, part of my first few years struggle was because I didn't have my kids. Yeah. Um, but I think the thing that you're referring to is, you know, as you step out of these relationships, we're so conditioned by the toxic personality to give them what they need for their life, Mm -hmm. that when you start looking at yourself and you start looking at self love and you start looking at rebuilding your life and who you are and what your identity is, it's so overwhelming that you don't even know where to start. Right. And, And I remember, you know, people, people that were close to me, and it's not that I'm, It's not that I'm saying they didn't support me, but sometimes the people that are closest to us, we feel like they don't understand. Right. But now I'm thankful my sisters didn't understand. And I'm thankful that my mom didn't understand because that just means they didn't go through it. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, going through that, trying to retrain yourself, the people would say, well, you just need to love yourself more. Yeah. Or, or my favorite, just one day at a time. Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking I've been doing one day at a time for 20 years. Like, just love yourself more. Can you give me something to go on there? Because I don't, my attention 100% of the time in that former relationship was not to make him mad, not to disappoint, keep the peace, keep my kids safe. You know, it was always trying to anticipate his behavior. So for me to put any time or effort into my own life, I didn't even know how to do that anymore. Right. You know, and, and I was just talking to Matt before we started recording, I've been remarried for 10 years. Mm -hmm. and. And how that how that bless his heart made it through the first four years, five years, I don't know because coming out of those, there is so much that you are used to rearranging and and doing so that you protect yourself. Mm-hmm. That there's a lot of stuff that just a normal person would would do on a day to day basis. I couldn't even do it, you know, d- decision making. You know, tell, us a little, like, tell
0: us a little bit. Tell us a little bit more about that in terms of the, you know, because uh, I think that's something that a lot of people who might be listening, who are either dating or now they're they've met someone, they know that that person is healthy you know, that person is responsive, but they know that they're kind of showing up as a shell of themselves and they're questioning their decision-making. And uh, what what I tell people is you're outsourcing your decision-making. I I met with someone yesterday. I was like, you're outsourcing your decision-making where you're not comfortable. You're afraid of making a mistake, like just like you were when you were in the relationship. And it's hard for people to understand that. There's people out there, healthy people out there that actually want you to show up and make a decision. They're OK with you making a mistake. Mm-hmm. And they and they would appreciate you making a mistake. They actually appreciate you showing up, giving, uh, you know, giving an answer, making a decision, being very clear about who you are and showing up. And it's hard for people to realize that that is not only uh, a safe relationship, but that it's OK to, for you to kind of come out of that shell. And so t- talk to us a little bit more about that.
1: Well, as far as the, I actually, I actually have this in mind, so I'm glad you asked that, but really quick, as far as the decision-making goes, you know, the toxic personality, um, they train you that if you make the wrong decision, a firing squad is going to show up Mm -hmm. because, because they're, they're seeking power and control over you. And we learn very quickly that there are, you know, consequences for any decision you make people. You hear it all the time. It doesn't matter what I do. It's the wrong thing.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Right. Well, they're they're actually training you to give up your decision making ability yeah. because we mm-hmm. learn very quickly that if if we don't make a decision, somebody will make it for us.
0: It's part of the gaslighting process. Yeah. To, so uh, we- to uh, they want you to question yourself, question mm-hmm. everything because if you if they can successfully get you to question yourself, doubt yourself, make you feel like you're the problem, then therefore you have to hand over everything back over to them.
1: Mm-hmm. And and like an example that I use of that is, okay, I couldn't order off of a menu when I left, when I left. Okay, people are like, what, you couldn't order off of a menu? It would almost, it would give me such high anxiety to have to order off of a menu. And it wasn't because anyone was telling me what to order. Uh It was because I would hear things like, how come you're having chicken? Or don't you think that's too expensive? Uh So here at 35 years old, I was sitting there waiting to see what he ordered, waiting to see what the price point was. Are we having cocktails or is it water tonight? And then I would order something I didn't even want hoping that it wouldn't get, wouldn't get criticized. Okay. If I'm 35 years old and I can't decide what I want, somebody has trained you to let them make your decisions.
0: Right.
1: You know, and, and one of the things in the first couple of years coming out, okay, I had to start a new, I had to start a new business. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of decision-making that goes into starting a new business. So I had to learn just to make a decision. Just, I don't care what it is, just make it. And what I realized is there's, there's no really wrong decision. If you make a decision and it's not the best one, you just make another one.
0: Did, um, uh, we didn't talk about this, um, before the show, I can, I know this is something I've shared on my platform before, but my business actually became a large part of my healing because Mm -hmm. of that, because I had to make decisions and I had to be very clear. I had to be more direct. I had to ask for help. I had to, uh, it forced me to step outside of that box. And so it became a large part of my, that healing process. Um, was that the same for you as well?
1: Yeah very much very very much now um again i i have been blessed with somebody that that stepped into my life at the right time and again i said i don't know how he made it but he was very good at and he he knew he says he knew what he was getting into but within two years i think he was pretty sure that he had no idea it was anything as deep as what it was right but he would oh he would push me to go out with my friends okay (laughs) well in my former relationship i wasn't allowed to have friends because my time and attention had to be dictated by him. So yeah. when, my, when my now husband would say, you know what, you should just go out with your friends, that would send me into a panic attack because immediately I would wonder what he was gonna do while I was out with my friends, because my farmer would you know, step outside of where he was supposed to be. Right. And so, so it took me a long time to, to realize that the, norm, the, the behavior that I had adapted as normal was definitely not normal, it was toxic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and going through the new relationship, I have found that there's there was five, five major things of myself that I gave up in that relationship that should be present in a healthy relationship. And one of those is independence. Yeah. A, a good relationship is two independent people that work well together. It is not two people that are dependent on each other.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I had completely I wanna, lost my independence.
0: I wanna I want to talk about that real quick because one of the uh, I, I noticed that one of the things that people get confused with uh, in a um, when people do make that transition and they are in a healthy relationship it doesn't mean that it doesn't mean that you're going to agree all the time It doesn't mean that uh, doesn't mean that there aren't going to be disagreements but one of the things I tell people is that there's a big difference between disagreements and disrespect and we want to make sure that if we're an individual because, going back to what you're talking about in terms of that conditioning in a toxic relationship, you're conditioned to believe that anything, any disagreement that you have is disrespect and that it's okay to be disrespected. Mm -hmm. But in a healthy relationship, you actually want to have disagreements. And that's where a lot of people get, get confused. And the reason why it's okay to have disagreements is that it lets you know that both people are actually being authentic, but that you don't have to get disrespectful during those disagreements. And that's where a lot where that, that those, um, those fuzzy lines start to cross over in a healthy relationship is the, is understanding the difference between disagreements and disrespect.
1: Yeah. And I, I think too, you know, what, what we're saying is super easy and it's a super easy concept for us now, but for people who are, are just coming out and trying to date that concept doesn't, doesn't, they don't really understand it mm-hmm. beca- because they don't understand that a disagreement isn't a fight. Right. And, and I have to give my, my relationship now kudos too, because he learned over time that, that I was a trained fighter. Yeah. By the time I left my former relationship, I was trained to fight. Mm-hmm. So to me, because I was used to being approached by somebody who wanted to fight, I thought every disagreement was a fight. hmm and and now, of course, we've been in this relationship a long time. We, my husband and I, do not do well when when there is tension between us. We mm-hmm. both sense it, we both sense it very well. But what my husband does now is he'll say, "Okay, Heidi, but I still love you. This we're just having a disagreement. We're going to get through this. It's going to be fine."
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And that's something that he has had to learn because because he knows that I go from. I have a wonderful life to my, my life has just crumbled all the way around me. Yeah. Like it, it has taken me a long time to realize there's a lot of in between Be there's a lot of space in between. I have a wonderful life and my whole life is in shambles. Yeah. You know, so, so he has brought me along in that a lot and, and also in the independence thing, you know, but the things that I had to relearn also is we give up. We, I gave up my independence in that other relationship. I had to be in his back pocket 100% of the time, one in case he needed me, but two, he wanted to control my time, my energy, my schedule. And so for me to be right there where, where he could do that, I completely lost my independence. I I was, I had to be a follower in order to survive in that relationship. Yeah. Um, The other thing I completely lost was my value system. Mm -hmm. Our value system has to change to fit theirs. Otherwise there's always going to be conflict and we don't want conflict with the toxic person. So we change our value system. We accept things we wouldn't normally accept. We put up with things we wouldn't put up with, Um, you know, ownership, the ownership of who you are and, and, and what you stand for. Mm
0: -hmm. That
1: was something I completely gave up. I didn't take ownership of my life at all. Mm -hmm. And taking ownership also looks like self-care. Yeah. You know, I wasn't going to the doctor anymore. I wasn't going to the dentist anymore. I hadn't been to the gynecologist for almost ten years. I think the last time I had been to the gynecologist was probably postpartum, mm-hmm. and and when I left, my youngest was eleven. Mm-hmm. So because all of the stuff that should have been important to me got mm-hmm. put on the back burner because everything he needed was more important. Absolutely. So I had to I had to relearn how to take ownership in my health and my you know, my life and everything. Um, decision-making was the other one
0: Mm
1: -hmm. and, and my identity, I tell people, I mean, you can see right now I have long, dark hair. And when I left, I was almost blonde because Mm -hmm. three weeks after I got married to my former, he said, you know, I'm disappointed. I always thought I'd marry a blonde. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Okay. And they're always going to throw things that they want you to change out there because Mm -hmm. when we're on the treadmill of, okay, I'll try harder. Okay. I'll do better. Okay. I'll change myself. Our attention is 100% on them just so we can be accepted. Right. Just so that I can be enough, just so that I can, I can love you. And, and the thing, the, those five things, me going through the healing process and going through the healing process with the man that I'm married to now, I've regained my independence. I've regained my value system. I take ownership in myself and doing the things that I need to for myself. My decision-making, I very seldom, sometimes I'll bounce stuff off of other people, but ultimately I have a system in place that if I have a hard decision, I have a system in place so that when I make the decision, I know I'm making the decision that's best for me, not how it's going to affect other people, what other people are going to think. And and my identity. I
0: I want to circle back to uh, the disagreements real quick. Cause I thought it was, I thought you illustrated it beautifully uh, with uh, your husband mentioning, um, you know, we're just having a disagreement and allowing for that space for kind of things to cool off. What, got you guys to that point? What, how did you, because one of the things that, that I see with a lot of people is that they think that those sorts of conversations just happen naturally. And if they don't happen immediately, that the relationship is, is just, you know, it's just terrible. And it's just shit. When I think that more than likely you guys built to that point, where you guys had a lot of discussions. And one of the things I tell people is that we need to come up with rules for engagement, uh, rules of of engagement of what things are going to be like when there are disagreements, when there, you know, um, that these are the type of things that trigger me. And a lot of times people are like, whoa, 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 whoa. I don't want to be that vulnerable because that's what got me in trouble in a previous relationship. And I tell people, yes, and you actually need to know how this person is going to respond when you are going to be when there when there is a level of vulnerability. We don't want it to get to that point where we're actually in that toxic relationship and now they're weaponizing it. And so we want to see if this person has the ability and the capability to to still be respectful when times are when when there's disagreements. Uh, so can you talk a little bit about that transition of of how you got to that point of having those conversations and and the rules of engagement that you guys might have had?
1: Okay, I, w- I will, but it's it's kind of funny and it was not funny at the time.
0: Yeah uh, sure. you
1: mentioned okay, so we when we're in toxic relationships, we are constantly trying to anticipate the behavior of the toxic person so we can stay one step ahead of them, right? right. Mm-hmm. So when there is disagreements and there there's conflicts, we know that we have to get it solved as soon as we can so that things could be can feel a little safer. Yeah. So we're trained when there's a fight, let's just resolve it. We have to resolve it right now so that we feel better in in where we have to go next now mm-hmm. the toxic person will use that to their advantage by purposely not solving it mm-hmm. because because that gives them the feeling of control and it makes us feel absolutely out of our heads right Okay. Now, one of the things that my husband now did, I keep talking about him because he, he really had a lot to do with perpetuating my healing.
0: I think it's important for people to know that. Now, one, one, uh, I, don't, I don't mean it. Well, I do mean to cut you off because the—the uh, the, uh, respectfully cut you off. The, because I think that people forget, and I, I tell people this in one-on-ones, that the atmosphere for your healing is just as important as the work that you actually mm-hmm. do. And so I think that I'm glad that you're bringing this up because it's important to know <clears throat> to know that his healthy response encouraged your healing, that it's both. It's not one or the other, because a lot of times people will get into another bad relationship and they think that, well, it's you know, I, I just need to heal. I just need to heal. No, it's both. You need a, an encouraging atmosphere and a, uh, a soft place to land, so to speak, mm-hmm. where it allows and it encourages that. Um, you know, for example when you start setting boundaries and speaking up for yourself that you're not going to meet with that you're not going to be met with that rage that you that you're met with and in, in a previous relationship so right. then you say like oh this is what it's like to be in a healthy relationship mm-hmm. and, and and to adjust to that new, new normal
1: yeah and I think I think too like you said it's it's definitely a transition and what what he basically showed me was what now'm I'm, I'm able to do for myself right. but but with the arguments or with the discussions or with the tenseness what he used to do is he tried to convince me that we didn't have to fix it right now right okay well the old part of me and all of the triggers all i could think of is we have to fix it right this minute and yeah. of course of course we all go on the don't go to bed angry thing right yeah well what my what my husband started doing is if we had a discussion And he could tell I was going off the deep end, wanting to fix it right now and continually talking in circles and asking him the same question. And because, because we're frantic in that, because we're feeling very insecure because this secure place is all of a sudden feeling like my former insecure place. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And it made me very frantic. And what my, my husband would do is go to bed. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And of course I would follow him in there and I'd stand over the bed and I would continually talk and, and, and he would pretend he was sleeping. Mm -hmm. and it would make me so mad Mm -hmm. okay finally two or three hours of me pacing and cussing and swearing and you know talking to myself i would go to bed also well the next morning Mm -hmm. he would go okay do we do we need to talk about what happened last night Mm -hmm. 80 percent of the time it wasn't that big a deal right but because of the feeling that i had at the time it felt like you know, the relationship was done and he was going to break up with me. And because we had this little, probably a disagreement over the kids, but, yeah. but, was, but basically what he taught me in doing that is if everybody calms down, if you think about it for a minute, you can rationally end the discussion without having these perpetual fights, because yeah. when you're talking in circles, it doesn't matter how calm the other person is. They're going to get sick of it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And,
1: and, and now I mean, we, we just, my husband and I just don't disagree on a lot of stuff. We don't have yeah. a lot of stuff like that, but we do have some. And mm-hmm. now I don't worry about it. Cause I know when it comes up again, we'll talk about it.
0: Yeah. But, but you, you had to, you, you had to build yeah. it. And one of the things I tell people is that uh, healthy relationships are built. They're not just found. So you had to build to that point. Mm-hmm. And now you just, uh, you, you just kind of know each other and, and, it, and things are more of like in a, more of a maintenance phase. Uh, of the relationship. It sounds like, and, uh, and so now, and and that's the part that people think that they're in, like during the honeymoon phase. And I'm like, we got, we have a long way to go before we get to that point, you know? Yeah. And,
1: and to, you know, coming out of those relationships, we are, we're so not ourselves that you can, not if you step right into a a new one, there's no way that it could be the perfectly oiled wheel. Right. You know and and i was just we were talking about um this earlier but i still deal with triggers Mm -hmm. and it is i i always say if i could take one thing away from my clients i wish i could take their triggers because i'm 14 years out Mm -hmm. and i still have triggers and one of the things with my triggers that i realized what perpetuates them is the toxic personality is very insecure and their behaviors stem off of, of their their need for that self-security, right? Right. And we know now that, not now, but we know that our security, our self-security comes from what we put into our own life.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, if you ask somebody, when was the time in your life that you felt secure? It was, oh, when my career was going good and my kids were doing good in school and I had a great group of friends and I lost five pounds and I was eating healthy. And it's they were putting things into their own life and they were being rewarded, which made them feel secure.
0: Right.
1: And it took me a long time to realize that when I start feeling off balance, I, I start having more disagreements with, with my husband, my business doesn't yep. do as well. You know, I'm avoiding my mom's phone calls. And, and when I sit down and, and look at it, it's, it's 100% of the time, because I have quit doing the things that I need to mm-hmm. do to be Heidi, Yeah. you know, well, you quit working out and you're not eating well, and you're not putting the effort into your business and you're not putting the effort into the relationships you need. And the minute I can start putting everything back into that.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: My whole entire life levels out again.
0: Yeah, absolutely. But the,
1: the minute we start feeling insecure, we start looking outside of ourselves for the reasons that we're insecure.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, and that's yeah. that's been the biggest, longest standing trigger for me is yeah. it's because you're once again falling into that. You have to take care of yourself before you take care of other people. Because if yeah. you don't, you fall right back into that trigger zone.
0: And it goes back to something I tell people all the time that triggers are not the enemy. Triggers are your friend. They tell you the areas of your life that need to be worked on, that need to be addressed, that need some healing, that need attention. And th- there's a reason why triggers don't feel good because they, you know, just like your hand on a hot stove. If your hand was on a hot stove, if you didn't feel pain, guess what? You're going to continuously burn yourself. The reason why you feel that pain is to, is your body tells yourself, Hey, take your hand off that hot stove. And so that's what those triggers are. Is letting you know, Hey, things are off balance. And uh, and I'm feeling now the way that I felt back then and we need to address this issue. We need to address this emotion or whatever the case is. And it's, it's trying to help you. It's not trying to cause you, uh, cause an issue to you.
1: Yeah. And I think one of the things that, that I, I am continually surprised at this, you know, you get out of a relationship like this and you really just want to get back to the person you were before. Yeah. Okay. You're never going to get back to that person no, because this relationship has 100% changed who you are.
0: Right. And,
1: and so I've, I've learned to kind of embrace that now because when we're in those relationships, we feel like we're super weak. And now mm-hmm. when I can look at it, everything that I thought was weak about me is what is my strength now. Yeah. You know, so what you feel like is making you weak in these is actually making you stronger and you're never going to go back to that person because everything, everything has been altered and you're going to come out stronger and more confident and, you know, more secure in yourself if you put the work in to yourself after you get out. Absolutely. And the identity thing is difficult for some people because when you're in these type of relationships, they basically own your identity. Yeah. You know, you learn to compartmentalize when my kids are around. I'm a mom, when he's around, I'm a wife, when I'm at work, I'm an employee. You know, I'm a sister when I'm with my family and then you leave these relationships. You have no idea who you are unless there's somebody in the room telling you what hat to wear.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And and you need to be able to, to take that when I'm sitting in a room by myself, mm-hmm. who am I? Right. And I always tell but we have to put that work in before we step into another relationship. Right now, me, I had to put that work in at the beginning of my relationship. And at that time, I didn't even know I had to put that work in because I definitely right. didn't know then what I know now. Right. Absolutely. But you you can't you can't just replace one relationship with another relationship so that you feel like you have an identity.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I think that a lot of times people think that a healthy relationship means that it's not going to be work. And that's not true. And I think there's a lot of mis- mm-hmm. mis- um, misinformation about that, too, that it's not going to be work. That's that's uh, it's uh, it's relationships. All relationships are a responsibility regardless for talking about your kids, your romantic relationship. They're all going to be work. They're all going to be a responsibility. You always compare them to pets. Everyone wants that nice, cuddly little puppy until that puppy is puking, taking shits underneath your bed at three thirty in the morning, those sorts of things. Um, and we have to realize that even healthy relationships are going to have its ups and downs. They're just not going to be, <clears throat> excuse me, extreme the way that it was with uh, with, a, with a toxic relationship and obviously not going to be abusive and that sort of thing as well. So,
1: And I, and um, I think that, when you talk about the ups and downs, I had to learn that the ups and downs are totally okay. Yeah. You know, because ups and downs would send me into a panic because of the feeling I used to have. Ups and Absolutely. downs are totally okay. Not everybody's going to be... You know, you don't, know, this just made me think of something else that I just, this was just a realization for me. Um, I have put my husband on a, on the perfect man pedestal
0: mm-hmm.
1: because he has done everything in my eyes that that was perfect. Right. Right. Well, then I realized me holding him to the accountability of being perfect was, was really no better than me being controlling because yeah. me holding him to the accountability of being perfect gave him no room to be human ever.
0: Mm-hmm. Yep.
1: You know, and that was that was the discussion that that we had recently had. I can't hold him to the to the perfect standard because that's not fair to him.
0: No, it puts too much pressure onto that relationship whenever I talk about that quite often uh, when we put people on a pedestal and we and what happens is that when we put people on a pedestal, that's actually a sign of of uh, trust issues within ourselves. We want that person on the pedestal. We want them to be this perfect person because we don't trust that if they lack perfection, that the relationship is going to be sustainable. Um, And so it applies too much pressure on that person and ultimately applies too much pressure on you as a person as well. We have to understand that everybody, every single person, you, myself, Anyone who's listening, we all have our red our own red flags, our own quirks and things like that, our own insecurities. The difference, though, is that it's important for for us to not allow for those things to overwhelm us or over, overwhelm our relationship. And when we begin to look at that person as an imperfect person, it allows for them to be human, to make yep. mistakes, and for those mistakes to not be to not um, uh, allow for those mistakes to become too much pressure onto that relationship
1: and not be detrimental.
0: Absolutely. Well, Dr. Heidi, it has been amazing as always. Uh, for those of you who don't know, I've had Dr. Heidi on before. So make sure you guys go, go back and listen to our previous episode make sure you're also listening to her, uh, to her podcast. It's not normal. It's toxic. I I got it right this time. Um, one of my favorite podcasts out there. You're one of my favorite, favorite, favorite people out there. Um, so um, in, and tell us a little bit more about your coaching practice as well. Uh, in, in the event that someone wants to work with you or if they want to follow you along, let us know where, where people can find you at.
1: Um, you can find all my services at coaching with um, If you are questioning, you know, if you're stuck in the middle of it and you're questioning, is this healthy or not? There is something on my website called the toxicity profile analysis. Um, I use that the results from that. If somebody decides to do a call with me, but a lot of times just you going through that, um, I call it a quiz, but it's 106 questions, so it's it's really a test. Um, mm. But just reading those, some of those questions may perpetuate the thinking of, oh, I, I've been putting up with this for so long that I didn't even realize this this was something that sh- I should be looking more into. Right. You know, because being in those relationships is is like being in a room that stinks. If you stay in the room, the smell goes away, and you might not realize that that's you know what's what's happening. Um, I am switching some of my, some of my programs up right now. Um, I, like he said, I have a podcast. Um, I'm shortly going to have a a subscription podcast where I really dig into my story because people really want to hear my story and I haven't told it answering listeners questions that'll be available in the next month or so. And then I do do private coaching. I do a lot of education. Um, I take people wherever they are in this process if they're just in it and they're trying to learn, if they're just getting out of it, I do a lot of divorce coaching. I do help write escape plans. Um, I work with some very, have worked with some very, very dangerous type people. Um, if, if this escape plan is what you're looking for, uh, a private coaching type situation would be needed just because of liability reasons. I work with people on the after side, which is what Matt and I were just talking about that whole finding out who you are, self-discovery phase also. So um, yeah, you can, I mean, Google Dr. Heidi and I should, I should pop up fairly quickly.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Ladies and gentlemen, that is Dr. Heidi. Uh, she did an absolutely amazing job. Make sure you guys comment down below. If you guys uh, and let, let us know your thoughts and some takeaways that you have taken away, if you're listening or, or watching on YouTube, if you are, listening on Spotify or on Apple and you had to take away, make sure you guys give us a review. We lo- absolutely love reviews. Every once in a while I take time out to uh, to read the reviews here on the podcast. And so I appreciate each and every single one of them. I always each appreciate you guys watching, you guys listening. Uh, I realize that with so many different things going on with social media, you could be anywhere else. You could be um, watching things on funny and, and entertaining things on TikTok or other other platforms, but you decided to put mental and your self-development first. And so I always appreciate you guys being here. So with all that being said, thank you guys for being here. We're going go to go ahead and close out the show and we will talk to you guys again soon. Dream big,
1: I was